Hello and welcome. Uh, it's been a little while, but we're back with the Lego Mania Memories podcast, and we are moving forward in time to September, October of 1997. And this issue is all about unidentified flying objects. Well, we assume so. We've never actually, I don't think we ever saw that that's definitively what the UFO stands for. So uh, it's an open question. However, assuming that it doesn't stand for something strange in Danish, that is sort of the assumption that we're working on. And uh, certainly if you mean UFO in a general sense of aliens, that is definitely what 1997's second space theme is about. And it is a big break for Lego. Space has been around since the very start of the minifig, but it's been strictly humans up to this point. Uh, at this point, we're getting what you might say a definite science fiction turn, something that is a staple of various science fiction shows but had never turned up in lego fair point yeah they are the first alien minifigures that are out there i mean as far as non-humans go before this uh you do have the spireus and explorian robot the ghost fig and skeleton fig although really those are humans just in slightly different states and i can't think of anything else in any theme at all yeah so this this does represent a, a new change. You get minifig heads in different colors. You get totally different prints. They may use the same molds, but these are not human. Indeed. It, uh, it, it signifies a shift that will remain permanently in the sort of space style that Lego does and will get more pronounced in the following decades. A less hard science sort of space theme, if that makes any sense. Yeah, to the extent that we can call Blacktron and Explorians um, hard science, this is at the very least less hard than however hard those are. The previous themes always had more of a, we could still be in the solar system sort of vibe. They're, they're always in spacesuits on barren rocks, you know, just in the asteroid belt or something. But here you get more of a galactic. Although they may be galactic, but if, at least as far as this magazine goes, and we see it right here on the cover... The aliens are definitely in the solar system, as the cover tells us on front of a scene of just eyeballing it, maybe something like 30 UFO ships. We are told UFO invasion, Earth will never be the same. And on the bottom left, we have what is clearly Earth. Um, more so than any space scene that I recall before this, these guys are actually supposed to, at least in this magazine, be interacting with Earth. It's a, it's a fine enough cover page. Not, not too much to write home about. Uh, you know, some very, some very great copy and paste 1997 technology. But uh, it, gives you, it gives you a very clear vibe of, of what's up. It's a, it's a UFO invasion, UF, UFO buzzing Earth sort of, sort of vibe. Now, so you mean to tell me that they didn't just build like 30 copies of those sets and stack them all in the background and take a very carefully edited picture? Seems unlikely. Opening up, we get straight into the good stuff. Uh, we get what I would say a pretty standard and well done couple of pages showing the theme that this magazine is about. We get four sets right here on this first page. And we get a meet the aliens with a couple of call outs for a couple of significant characters and even a uh, comment blip from a non-related character. It is a very 1997, here are your new sets sort of a page. And, and I like it. I approve of that. 
it's a very 1997 sort of theme. Thinking back to all the issues we've covered, they all have about five sets per theme, and this is no exception. We got the four sets here, and then the largest one has its own splash page later on in the, in the issue. Yeah, and we uh, we get two, two minifigs who are given names and their own little call-out. One of them makes a lot of sense. It's the leader. He only comes in two of the l- largest set. Uh, he's the, uh, the black and gray UFO in a theme that's otherwise got a lot of blue on the figs or red on the figs and the vehicles. Uh, and our leader is known as Alpha Draconis. And we're told, we're told he's a leader and we're told that he keeps his mask on because he's uglier than the mask. Uh, and it's because he... But it's actually because he scares himself when he looks in the mirror, which is a uh, not a, a heavy bit of characterization that we brought forward into uh, our stories. But mind you, we never had Alpha Draconis because we never had the two big sets that he came with. No, here's a theme that I think of all the issues that we've covered, we own the least amount. You own the second smallest set on this page. I owned a polybag set which was basically a scaled down version of the smallest set here and for the longest time those were the only ufo sets that either of us had um way way after the fact i got one minifig from somewhere and that's it and that's a bit of a shame really because that's the theme that i really like and they they factored fairly significantly into our space lore yeah, once we finally figured out a way to play space, which basically boiled down to the good guys are Star Trek, and therefore the UFOs and the insectoids, some combination of them, are the Borg, uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of fun with them. And the UFOs were far more badass than the insectoids, at least in our minds. Um, they were the earlier theme. Uh, they weren't bugs, so they weren't, you bugs. And just being for myself, I like the gray, black, and a little bit of red and trans neon green color scheme better than the blue, dark gray scheme that we would get with uh, the insectoids. Yeah, they, uh, it's, a, it's a decent color scheme. I, I do like the aesthetic of it fairly well. It's full of that space uh, neon, trans neon, yellow, green color. Very classic. And yeah, the, the ships just always, the, the spaceships always looked like fairly beefy and powerful things. They had lots of objects on them that we could designate as laser guns or whatever. And the, the minifigs in particular, just really, they're both interesting and well-made. And yeah, they just, uh, they kind of capture my imagination a little bit with their designs. And uh, lots, lots of printing like that intricate detailed printing on the torsos their legs all have printing which is a pretty pretty new feature at this point their helmets all have unique printing as well those that have helmets and they're also incorporating these new helmet shapes with this new neck armor piece yeah they're uh and then on top of that there's the printing on on the vehicles and it's just they are there's a wealth of uh, using the printing to, to really good effect in this theme. Um, and a lot of the printing has like silver and gold in it. It's very circuitry looking and it's just, it's, it's really sharp. So we mentioned Alpha Draconis. There's another quote unquote character who gets called out on this page. And that is Andy Droid. We're told Andy is Explorian Android's brother. He's been reprogrammed by the aliens to help them take the get over the galaxy. Now, I don't think 
we ever acknowledged that Andy Droid, which you had a copy of, was A, really called Andy, uh, or B, was originally made by the Explorians, but it is nice to sort of see a, a callback to an earlier theme, even if, granted, it was only a year before. Um, there's no Explorians in any of these sets, there's no UFOs in any of the Explorian sets, but it is nice that at least in, in the references, the, the themes are still being tied together. It is, it is. So, so, and so we can confidently say that this theme is still a continuation of the, of the linked themes that go, that go back to the original, uh, space themes. We haven't yet had that hard break, which comes, comes around at the insectoids. Yeah, there's four sets on this page. Uh, starting with the smallest, we get the V-Wing fighter. No relationship to Star Wars. Uh, episode 3 and its V-Wing fighter had not yet come out. This is two years before The Phantom Menace, so maybe there's some Star Wars in the background of the set designer's minds, but this is not a an obvious blatant ripoff. Um, and it's, it's a pretty small little set. Lots of intricate UFO-specific parts. I'm counting four different printed parts on the ship. It's probably only a five to eight dollar set, one fig. It's one of those little tiny spaceships with the the driver just sitting out there in open space. But it's effective for what it does. It looks swooshable and a little bit alien. It's not the same design as a as a Unitron or a Futuron ship. For what would be basically a simple test set for anyone inter- potentially interested in the theme, just wanting to buy a little set to test it out, it's fine. It gives gives you a sense of kind of the unique pieces and. Uh... Yeah, it's it's a good starter set. Not too much more to say. The following set, Radon Rover, which is the set that you acquired, is far less UFO unique in its design and shape. And it's got, it's that classic, it's the space set that has the wheels. It is the space set that has the wheels. And that doesn't feel as UFO-y. And I think if there's a weak set in the lineup, Unfortunately, this is probably it. Now, I say unfortunately, but it is entirely possible. The only reason I got the set, because I, I got it late. I think I got it in, in maybe like the year 2000. So it was like the last of its kind. It had been sitting on like a department store shelf. Um, and possibly the reason it survives because it is the more lackluster one of the theme. And having a ground vehicle doesn't really fit as much with the insectoid experience. Maybe if it were being carried by a large ship, since it doesn't seem to be less exciting. Even so, it still has, again, looks like it's got about four printed parts, a different four. It uses some of the, the UFO wing pieces. These are sort of the inverted ones that point down rather than the ones in the V-Wing fighter that point up. And having uh, experience with this set is the only one I owned. I enjoyed the the, the handheld control panel. We, we had some fun with those, and which is really just a two-by-two two printed uh, tile, but it's still something that we... Uh, we sort of needed to have put in front of us in order to think of it as an idea. Mm-hmm. The deficiency of it was that it was a wheeled vehicle, especially once we really started to understand how being in space can be fun. Because when we were little and we had never seen Star Trek, we didn't really know what to do with our handful of space sets. We did tend to play on the ground. Your large Unitron set was a, a large wheeled vehicle. We had a handful of figs. So things tended to be much more ground-based. But once we move to the stars, well, I'll, I'll be frank. Radon Rover can actually fly and apparently has a hyperdrive. Gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Yeah, particularly for, for our games, once we once we got the concept of space figured out and how you can play in it, we pretty much never played on the ground. It was always set in space. And yeah, which meant that 
our number of wheeled space sets either just didn't really ever get played with or mysteriously had some kind of rocket booster hidden in the back. Yeah, and then this one definitely was more of the hidden rocket booster sort, not least because we needed a bad guy ship of some sort that could take on our uh, creator bucket built, well, for lack of a better word, enterprises. So since these guys sort of took the role of the Borg, uh, Radon Rover and your little polybag were super advanced technology, wicked advanced shields that could go toe-to-toe with a ship the size and shape of a 32 by 32 base plate. We never did quite fully develop the, the Borg aspect of them to the extent that like they could fully like take over people and convert them into their own. Not quite the same. We, we sort of had a, a scaled down version of that a little bit, particularly with the insectoids that they could sort of more mind control people, I think. But it never really quite got off the ground. It was more... They have the technology of the board such that their shields are almost impossible to defeat. And each of our robots had like personal shields that were also incredibly hard to blast. Part of that might have just been down to the the play factor. We didn't have things to put onto the space figs to indicate that they had been Borgified. So if there had been like a special helmet or visor or air tank or shoulder something that we could have put on our figs to Borgify them... Maybe that would have been different, but we didn't have anything that occurred to us to use that way, so so we didn't. It's interesting to think what it might have been like if we had had one of the larger sets, even like the mid-sized set, the warp wing fighter looking at it. That is a sleek design, the the uh, the X-wing back and the the UFO front. Like that's that's almost the perfect combination of an Enterprise and a and an X-wing and it's it's a cool design. I am a fa- fan of that design. It is indeed. It's, uh, yeah, I, I imagine that if we had had that when we were into Star Wars, that would have been a very prominently featured ship in some of our games. It's a nice mid-sized set, and it's one that I definitely wish that I could have experienced. It has, it's the smallest set that comes with a full-blown UFO, which was something that we really sorely missed, is that we only had the robots with our sets. So we didn't get to have the more interesting aspect of one of the actual UFO with the actual helmet and the shoulder pads. And this is the first set that the smallest set that has one. And yeah, it's got a lot of printed pieces, a very solid looking starfighter and basically is an X-Wing with half a saucer welded to the front. I, I would love to to have had that set, uh, even at the time, not knowing what to do with it. I think that would have that would have easily been the largest spaceship either of us had in 1997. I think at the time that we would have got this magazine, the biggest one between the two of us might have been my Blizzard Baron, uh, which is a two-person craft if you take the air tanks off and squeeze someone in behind the pilot. And this one really probably only comfortably holds two people, but it's got so much bulk, if only because of the wings and those two saucer sections, that it's it feels like more of a mid-sized craft and less of a fighter, which we never had. We just had fighters, basically. And then the, the biggest set on this page uh, is basically a an even larger version of the Warpwing fighter. Saucer on the front, mini X is on the back, although it also has a larger sort of half saucer on the back, and the saucer on the front is larger as well. This one appears to come with three minifigures, the Red Droid, the Red Alien, and Alpha Draconis, who, as mentioned before, is the uh, the, the apparent leader of the theme. It's a very nice set. Very, It's very 
beefy looking. I imagine if I ever got it and built it, I would think, eh, this is a lot smaller, but it so dwarfs the scale of any of the space sets that we actually had at the time, or really for any of our childhood length. And it would have been such an incredible game changer to have acquired it. And yeah, just looking at it, it's a it's a decent sized ship. It's the back end kind of detached to be a little fighter, and it's a cool design with uh, electronic components, which I know that you probably never had much interest in, but I was always very fascinated by Lego sets that had any electrical parts to it and would have been very, very thrilled to explore this one. Definitely supposed to be the the really big selling feature of this set. And you're right that even at the time, I probably wasn't super caring one way or another about these, these light up glowing tubes, but you know, they are something different. And certainly compared with, you know, all of your standard space from the earlier years, this is at the very least would sort of suggest weird alien tech. Um, and probably odds are in the battles that uh, disabling the ship would have involved somehow disconnecting those tubes. I do wonder, were the other two aliens, they got names somewhere, I feel like. If they did, I'm not familiar with them, but that is perhaps something to keep an eye on. On the subject of the aliens, this set is, these. this page is really very rad heavy. We have a small set with a red droid. There is a small set with a blue droid. We got a medium set with red and red. And then we've got the large set with red and then the boss. Um, the blue ones do seem to be the rarer ones. I guess one could probably imagine them as sort of a separate sub-faction. I don't think that that was ever something that I've ever really thought about. Uh, not least because all we had was uh, we each had one of the droids. I'd blue, you would red. And so moving on to the next page, we don't get the, the last largest set yet. But instead, we get the story. Indeed. And it's a much more involved story than anything we've yet seen it's actually one and a half pages long and it has more than like one shot of the sets it actually has almost proto proto comic panels granted it's so long in in this because half of it's in french and half of it's in english so an american version of this issue would probably have been able to condense this into one page yeah it's uh it's for a kids magazine it's nothing super complex but it definitely is a little bit more than anything we've had yet and pointing towards where we're going to go when we do get full-fledged comics this one stars the lego maniac who no longer appears to ever be referred to as jack but phrase jack the lego maniac is uh, burned into my brain from many long hours of staring at the 1993 lego catalog yeah, it's a very basic story. The uh, maniac is beamed up into uh, the UFO ship. Although it's interesting, it says that he's cruising in his Outback Racer, and it gives the set number for that, which you know I find it's kind of kind of fun and interesting to kind of tie it into the an existing Lego theme. And then uh, yeah, he he's, has to do a building contest against Alpha Draconis, and uh, it's <laughs> I always found it funny the characterization of Alpha Draconis. He's both the person competing against the maniac as well as the judge. So why did they why did they need the maniac when he wanted his ship to win? And I just think it's classic egotistical bad guy to it's like a crazy dictator who like grabs a poor peasant off the street to compete against and then declares that he's the winner and then has the the, the competitor killed or whatever. 
I mean, as as a characterization, he would have fit in great with some of our actual Lego villains. What I find interesting is that the maniac is not the only person who gets kidnapped. We're told captured aliens from other planets entered the room, which is interesting to me because at this point, the only aliens that Lego had ever made were the UFOs. I don't think we're supposed to assume that these other captured aliens are part of this theme. Uh, but of course, Lego has nothing else to represent them with, so we really sort of only see the cartoon maniac and the various Lego UFOs. Alternatively, one one headcanon that you could do is that taking the idea of Andy being a reprogrammed exploring robot and looking at the fact that the three actual alien figs are all very different, like they don't look that they're the same species, it could be that the UFOs just capture individuals from various species and incorporate them into their culture. Which is perhaps more Borg-like than uh, we uh, have previously given them credit for. Uh, it may suggest there is no UFO species, but rather that they're a uh, cobbled-together faction as much united by their technology as anything else it's a it's a it's a fun it's it's a much more engaging story in so far as it goes than than most of the other ones that we've seen so far it ends with the maniac building uh one of the sets or sorry no he doesn't build one of the sets he has built a ship we don't get to actually see what it looks like uh but instead of building it really to compete he builds it to blow up alpha draconis's ship and then he goes home and with the warning I know the aliens will be back, so I'm going to watch for them in the skies, and you should too. And then on the last half page here, we have the uh, tie-in to the other space theme of the year, which really solidifies the fact that they were kind of two sides of the same coin. Aliens versus Roboforce. It just kind of has a little mini splash page of three of the Roboforce sets and how showing them off, and it's basically just showing off the sets with the idea of like, you're going to need these to fight the aliens. Yes, and it's interesting that they're doing that given that the story and sort of the way they're presented on the cover is that you should use your UFOs to terrorize your town figs, your, your, you know, your Outback Racers. But oh yeah, you could also use them to fight these uh, space robots that we had you build earlier in the year. Now that's probably good marketing because you want children to buy lego that they can use in multiple ways but obviously for for us and our rigid way of thinking uh, that is sort of mixed messaging which one are we supposed to do lego just tell us i like their little star wars reference at the end now hop in your robot and may the roboforce be with you yeah we definitely did not get that pun at that time i don't know if we ever came back and noticed it afterwards no we we're still two years out from having seen the movies so turning the page, uh, we now get the flagship of the theme, and it literally is a flagship. It is the largest ship, possibly. It, it, it's, it's not as long as the Interstellar Starfighter, but it is much wider, uh, and it has uh, more figs. This one appears to have four rather than uh, the three of the other one, and it is a giant saucer. Yeah, it is the titular flying saucer. It has all three of the aliens and the blue robot. It's got two little mini rovers that can come out from the saucer, which can detach into two parts. And this reminds me of a factor that both this and the, the interstellar cruiser from the, from the other page, they, in my mind, this set is what a Hapen Battle Dragon looks like. And a Hapen Battle Dragon is a obscure expanded universe star wars uh spaceship from one book uh that was written uh, around this time i think 
And it was one of the first full-length Star Wars novels that I read. And for whatever reason, in my mind, this is that spaceship. In part due to, I got the impression that the ship in Star Wars was a saucer. I don't actually know if it was. And then the swirling laser turrets on this uh, Lego set here put into my mind some of the descriptions from that book. Yeah, the courtship of Princess Leia is not one of the good Star Wars novels from the 90s. Debatable. Debatable. Or at least it's not remembered as being one of the the like classics in the way that, say, the Timothy Zahn books were or Rogue Squadron. I'd say it's probably best remembered now for having introduced the Night Sisters, which have become somewhat changed, but a relatively big part of the Clone Wars series. But it's also got, as you said, the the Hapen battle dragons. And yes, this is sort of the the placeholder image in our mind for that. It, it is a different flagship. Like the, the interstellar one on the other page is probably much more standard lego flagship if you look at any biggest ship of the fleet that they've ever made from like three or four of the classic space ones into uh, like the galactic mediator or the explorian starship they tend to be longer and a little bit narrower at the front than they are at the back like that's sort of their most basic design and the the interstellar cruiser is closer to that model obviously the rounded disc at the front does modify it somewhat this as a flagship though is is a totally different design this is an alien design relative to the norms of lego space previously And, and it's uh it's your classic flying saucer, and we certainly would have had a, a grand old time playing with it had we ever had the opportunity. Personally, though, I think I like the uh, interstellar starfighter more than this one. If you told me that you'll give me one for free and I get a pick, I would probably pick the interstellar starfighter as well. Um, but I'm not sure that that's fair because this is a very impressive ship and it does have more minifigs. I definitely at the time would have picked this one despite thinking the other one was a better design because this has the four of the five minifigs that I did not own. And uh, minifigs are always a significant swaying factor in our purchases. And on the edge of the, uh, the page here, uh, we could have got $5 off on this set, uh, although that offer expired um, about 24 years ago now. So... Uh... That won't do us any good. A couple of coupons to get a little bit of $2 off the Warp Wing Fighter and $5 off the Alien Avenger, which, by the way, is an excellent name. Yes, it's, an, it's, it's a good Lego Star Wars name. Actually, the names of all of these sets are pretty good. Lego names are not necessarily, like, supposed to, like, wow you. They're supposed to describe what you're buying. But I find that the, the names in this theme are just, are they're, they're really well done. I like Interstellar Starfighter might be the most boring one. V-Wing Fighter has the Star Wars tinge to it. I like Warp Wing Fighter. I like the alliteration. The Radon Rover. I don't know what's Radon about it because that's just a uh, an element, but it's got that alliteration. It sounds spacey, but Alien Avenger. It's alliteration. And it sounds bad, and I don't know. I'm I'm in favor of it. They're also trying out something here where they're having a, a kid review the set. I think that's a new thing i can't remember if it's appeared in previous issues we have had you know um, fan involvement and stuff but i don't think we've had a direct commentary on a set of course the kids from ontario of course naturally and so turning the page uh we're sort of getting into the back pages here we have some maniac madness which has a bunch of 
different my own creations by various children, none of which I particularly remember, except maybe for the giant ship on the bottom. But the kid up top who dressed up as a wolf pack for Halloween, my dude, I approve. <laughs> it's funny, that guy's name is uh, very similar to a name of a guy I actually know. Yeah, I, yeah. I th- by this point, I we definitely, I think, had stopped looking so intently at these things. Well, in this particular page, anyway, maybe it's just the the size of them, or maybe it's just we were less interested in them. Maybe it's the fact that they none of, nothing here really has old sets that we were clearly interested in, or it might just be the photography. A lot of these are smaller, and you can't get a lot of good detail on it. The other page has what's, in some sense, basically another set uh, review. There's another set that they haven't that we I actually forgot about till we got to this page. It's the uh, Cyber Saucer, which is basically which is a, a midsize set, which is like a, it's basically a small version of the Alien Adventure. It's a small saucer, which comes with I think just Alpha Draconis, and I don't know if all versions of it, but possibly at least the ones that they're advertising here came with a large. Alpha Draconis Halloween mask that you could put over your head. I'm I'm pretty sure that even at this point, we may not have been able to fit in that Halloween mask, but I still think we would have very much liked to have had that. And if you think about it, we probably could have made a decent base using that helmet. A decent base. Oh, I see. I, I am positive that at some point, probably beyond our... Like, I was eight at the time, so I definitely could have fit in it. But at some point... Before we became adults, we found that mask at like Value Village somewhere and acquired it for the family. I don't think you and I had anything to do with it other than, you know, being aware of it. But I'm positive that I have felt and handled one of those in my hand. You say that and that sounds right to me, but it also sounds like a dream. And having had enough dreams of finding Lego in Value Village or other such like things, I I don't know whether to adjudicate that it was a dream or it was real. So I'll take your word for it. But looking at this set, uh, it's a nice set. You know, it's a it's a it's a good uh, scaled down version of a flying saucer, and it it makes full use of those angled wing pieces to be the the, the landing legs, basically for the uh, for the saucer. Uh, a good little shit. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the saucer was exact was close enough to or compatible with the top part of the Alien Avenger, which can remove from the bottom part. So basically, just the same sort of top, but it could, but with a different land, but with its own set of legs rather than landing on the main ship, which is a clever bit of interchangeability. That is the case. It would be. I wonder. I've seen a review of this set at one point uh, on a much more recent blog in the last like five to ten years or so where i i have seen that that the, the saucer on the cyber saucer does remove from the legs and just based on the saucer pieces it is the same size as or appears to be the same size as the top part that comes off of the oh it definitely is i'm just not sure if it comes off the legs i'm quite sure it does but again not from having handled the set but from having seen someone else who has handled the set review it and given that it would then make sense that they that they're the same size it it might that might be a design feature that they are intended to remove or come on. And yeah, so that's the end of that page. Uh, but not quite. We still have one more uh, set of pages. You can tell that we're a little bit getting a little bit longer catalogs than we were, say, at the start of 97. On the left side, we have a You Can Build This, provided you own, 6565 construction crew. And also a Find the Aliens in the magazine content. The, you can build this is such a scaled down version of what they were doing before. 
Here, it's just from one set, and it's five steps where they're throwing like tons of steps in order to squeeze it into this little thing, and the end result is pathetic. Well, to be honest, I don't know if they've given us a, a you can build this yet where the end result was impressive, but usually at least they were interesting. Like, look, you could take this Aquazone set and this pirate set and turn it into this thing. Here, it's just like, oh, your workers had a long day uh, digging up the road and paving it and stuff. Here, you can build them a bus to take to take home. And then on the other side, we have tech tips again. With, a, with another four-panel mini-comic basically just advertising the uh, the Technic set. And again, it's and it's following what I think was in the last issue where the Technic set is rescuing normal uh, Townlander folk here in a submarine. Yeah, if the previous magazine hadn't solidified in our minds that the Technic are heroes who save helpless townies, this establishes a pattern. And, and I like the, the, the colors and the design here. It looks like they've reused the same sets that they used for uh, the divers or for the, uh, the Aquazone earlier this year. And it's very effective, especially the, the yellow uh, town submarine and the yellow Technic submarine. And uh, this is a different Technic fig. Uh, I like his, his design. He's not one that I've really ever seen. He's got a different head than one of the ones we owned. He's sort of got an all-black suit. Insofar as I am at all interested in Technic figs, and let's be honest, they're figs, so I am kind of interested. It's 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 a cool one, and it's one I wouldn't have minded having. I haven't. You have? Yes, I acquired 90% of this set from a friend when I was in uh, living out east. Uh, it, it's a Technic set of the 90s, so it's, it's a lot of Technic bricks and, uh, you know, sort of, it's, it's more of a frame than a fully fleshed out finished thing but it, it has uh some some printed or I, I, i'm assuming stickered pieces on it uh such as the lights on the uh the little uh submersible that he can take out the drill i should say air tank it has air tank written on it just in case you wanted to know why there was a big tank in the back back tail has some printing on it which just trying to look at it more closely looks like that might be a shark and apparently this is the u97 you presumably referring to a u-boat yeah so that's that's our little tech tips and the catalog finishes or sorry the catalog the magazine finishes with a catalog type page which might be the best back page we've had in a while and granted it's only an order form and a couple of sets you can order on it but those two sets are even though we have, I believe, seen them before, they are more interesting. Well, we haven't seen this the Time Tunnelator before. We did, but we didn't see it as a featured set. We saw it in the Time uh, Twister yes. magazine in the story, which was like a half page because it was half in French. Um, but both of these sets are sets from other themes, themes that have had magazines. So we've seen them before. Uh, on the left, we have Witch's Windship, also known as one of the many crappy designs that the uh, the Fright Nights had that year. And on the right, we have the Time Tunnelator, which is the smallest time cruiser set. Uh, it's debatable whether you want to call it crappy or not, but it is a typical time set in the sense that it's got pieces from all sorts of themes and a weird color scheme and it's a wacky mobile. We had both of these in our family. I ended up getting Witch's Windship, uh, which was more significant for Willa's cape and the dragon than for anything else. And uh, our younger brother had the Time Tunnelator, which was perhaps significant as one of the sets that our younger siblings had that we didn't, that we were at least moderately interested in. And 
Yeah, unless we have something extra to add about UFOs in general, that takes us through the magazine. Other than that, the UFOs have always, in my mind, been one of the premier bad guy themes for our mythologies, our, our, our literary creations of our Lego worlds. The UFOs have always been one of the top, arguably one of the two top bad guys. They're, they're always, they're the ultimate bad guy in space. Like for us, um, they, they are basically the controllers of the insectoids and any later alien theme that may have come along that would be threatening the, the, the good guys, the UFOs would always be the masterminds behind it. They were the pretty much unstoppable force that had superior technology to everyone and were few in number, but if you encountered one, you were almost certainly going to die unless you could somehow come with a clever ruse. They're, they're, they're the unstoppable force in space. And second only really in terms of their, their deadly power to basically Magisto and the, the magical forces of the castle realms. And they've often in my mind have had some, some some underlying connection with them and that in in my headcanon mythology of, of how the lego themes all fit together the castle realms had some their their origins involved coming to earth eons ago from the stars and and the ufos having some connection with them way back in the day yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. The UFOs are sort of one of the the fundamental myth drivers of our Lego universes, and it's interesting to me that they have become that or that they were that, given how little character they had. Like you mentioned, Magisto, and here on the back page we've got a, another couple of really classic, important quote-unquote mythological bad guys Willow the Witch and one of the Time Twisters. The UFOs that we had, we had the two droids, and they were droids they were not like andy droid the former explorian that's way more character than we ever gave your red guy or my blue guy and even in sort of later years like i've acquired uh, an alpha draconis in the last year and a half because in my ongoing lego comic the ufos are still a hugely important mythological bad guy and there are in fact connections to the ancient magical origins of earth and Alpha Draconis is, he's just a, a looming, scary bad guy. He's not a, a figure with a clear character, uh, necessarily. The, the, the mad, I will compete with my own slaves, Alpha Draconis that we get in the story here, doesn't really fit in our Lego verses and has never really appeared in our Lego story. Ironically, since a lot of our bad guys that we did have, Thresher, Captain Redbeard, were very much that egotistical maniac style i think part of it was that we didn't have any of the actual alien figs so the the robots we did have were just drones sent by them and there was always this looming threat in the background of well someday the rest of the ufos will come and what then we barely were able to fight off a couple of their drones and while we desperately wish that we had those characters so that we could have that fuller story it did, I think, help a little bit to make their threat a little more existential. Yeah, definitely. We we did leave a like narrative space where they could step into. I think we definitely always thought that if it, well, if you're a robot, 
that you must be less than the people that made you. Like, um, I've learned in more recent years that the Spirius droid is sometimes referred to as Major Kartofsky. The droid troopers were never majors officers. They are closer to C-3PO than they are to the commander of the Spirius in any version we ever use. And the UFOs could have almost maybe got there, but we continued to respect that they were droids and the implication was someone had made the droids. And so even though we didn't have Alpha Draconis or the other aliens, they did still have a place as the ones who had sent the droids, who had made the droids. And if our good guys had such trouble fighting off these droids, which of course they had to in order to have a decent Lego game, that did provide a looming sense of what happens if the Masters come. Of course, the Masters never actually came because we didn't own any. In the, in the final years of my story creation, I was sort of envisioning a galactic invasion helmed by these by Alpha Draconis heading towards Earth for a final confrontation between the UFO and the magic wielders of the castle realms. And I think in that respect, uh, there's another influence. We've talked a fair bit about how the uh, the UFOs when we first found a way to play with them, were like the Borg, and it was a big Star Trek influence. But I think towards the end, the quote-unquote Hafen Battle Dragon points in the direction we went with them, which was not so much the Borg, although maybe still somewhat influenced by that, but the Yuuzhan Vong of the New Jedi Order books. Mm, yes, that is true. There very much is a bit of a, a feel of that of this. Uh, unstoppable invaded force coming from from far possibly even beyond the galaxy's edge uh, that totally upends the galactic order and the uh the yuzen vong's hatred for the jedi does kind of parallel the the ufo seeking to attack and destroy the magic users for reasons which at least in my head kang never never got fleshed out enough to to say why or how yes uh, uh not all of our uh story germs or ideas necessarily had a fully written out or thought out uh reasoning but uh there's definitely i think a borrowing of theme if not of clear purpose and yeah so i, th I think that that pretty much wraps us up here we are getting into deeper denser magazines and obviously the next one is going to bring us up to the christmas issue which is usually the uh exciting one of the year well the next issue is our first christmas issue the in 96 the first year we got the magazine they did we never got a christmas issue either through mistake or not all we got was a catalog uh, which for us was perfectly uh, acceptable. But but in 97, we did get an actual holiday issue. So it doesn't introduce any new themes. It just reiterates all the pre-existing themes in a very weird way, which, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to exploring next episode. So tune in then. And until then, uh, we are off.